Hello, welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. This week, we well, an article caught my eye, I think it was, but it's from December 2020. Yeah, it's a bit late getting to us, wasn't it's a it? Bit, but it's still yes, relevant. But it's still yeah. very relevant. And, and it was about uh, 26 business review sites where customers can rate you. Yeah. And I think the reason it caught my eye is because somebody that I know has a holiday rental and somebody had left some not negative feedback but just some sort of picky feedback just like what was the point of that um and and so then when i saw this article i started thinking oh i wonder you know where where are businesses where are people in terms of customer reviews do you do you leave customer reviews very often um if it's something like yeah airbnb i will yeah. I think, you know, if you've had a good time, it's it's good to put a review on. I don't believe I've ever left a negative anywhere. If I'm if I'm feeling neutral about something, I will tend to not put a review. Um, and if I'm pleased with something, I will tend to put a positive yeah. review. But not on every single thing that I buy or interact with. I've never done anything on TripAdvisor. No, no, normally. But you do get... The, you know, you buy something or you... I've done eBay reviews, yeah. For oh, the sellers right. on eBay, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. I take notice of reviews that other sellers have. So I think it's, you know, mm. it, it's good. If I want a good review, or rather, if I want reviews coming in, I think it's only fair that I also give reviews for yeah, buyers th- and sellers that I interact with. I think the eBay thing is sl- is slightly different in that... Buyers want good ratings as well, don't they? Yeah. You prompt payer yeah. and all of that sort yeah. of thing and, you know, not picky and whatever. So I think there's a sort of reciprocal thing there. But if I go and review a restaurant without being incentivized, um, for me, I don't... If they ask for the review, I probably don't do it. Right. Okay. It, it, but if I go, they were amazing... I'm more likely to email them something and say thank you so much. We had a wonderful time. Or Rather then, than go on the review site, yeah, yeah. or proactively go and do a review. But if I get we value your feedback sort of thing, I'm a bit like mm, no. I'll give you my feedback if it's good. I'll okay. gift it to you. And then there are some people that only give the feedback if it's bad as well. Mm. Yeah, and that's not a good way to live your life, is it? No. Keep looking for the positives in yeah. life. So. I was interested. I didn't realise there were 26 business review sites. Um, it's a bit American article, so I, mm. I've ignored the ones that I, if I clicked on it, it took you straight through to um, uh, American sites. But yeah. we've got things like Google My Business. I've never left a Google review. Have you? No, I've been asked to by B2B people. Yeah. Um, and B2C, actually. A guy who does valeting, so he's like does mobile valeting, yeah. and he's done our cars. Yeah, and he just he you know he did the work. We paid him. I sent him a message later on saying thanks very much. You've done a great job. He said, "Can you put that?" He said, on "Stick Google? it on Google." Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, Bing places. I suppose that's like Google, isn't it? Um, Facebook. Have we done any on there? No, I don't. Again, I'm more likely to comment. I've just seen one here, Amazon customer reviews. I There is, if you look at my profile on Amazon, um, you can find that I've left one negative comment. 
and this shows how long ago it was because it was a ninky nonk toy <laughs> that oh I gosh. bought for Yolo. So from in the night garden, okay. and I bought it for him. He's twelve now. Um, I didn't buy the ninky nonk toy recently. Recently, yeah. now. so um, and it was a part of crap to be perfectly honest. And I felt like to save any other parents getting drawn into the their kid really thinks this is going to be as exciting as the actual ninky nonk that it's not really and, and just put an honest although the feedback was quite negative with it it, it was a piece of tat yeah don't get expensive. your hopes up sort yeah. of yeah. review um, I don't know if that helped anybody well yeah and I think actually on Amazon that's very true and particularly for me because I haven't had kids um, but I you know I buy for kids very often I don't really know at what age certain things suitable for and that is good when some people say yes my seven-year-old grandson loved it yeah exactly um so yeah so i i find that helpful and from the business owner's point of view you know that is if people are endorsing things on your behalf rather than them contacting you and saying would this be suitable for a seven-year-old you know, it's probably quite helpful in that yeah, in that yeah. way. I'm just looking at um, one for, for businesses particularly, a glass door. Now, I used this recently. Um, I was doing some business with a company that was involved in staff benefits and staff perks. And I, yeah. I just wondered what sort of employer they were because they were selling me a service to make me a better employer. I thought, okay, do they put their money where their mouth is? And I read the Glassdoor reviews, and actually they're really positive. So I thought, okay, that's that's one. Uh, but also I think it's quite important, um, the increase in people that are looking at Glassdoor to see if, they, if they're going to apply for a job and see what people say about them on there. So that's something to be aware of if you're recruiting. Have you got any reviews on Glassdoor? From disgruntled former employees, yeah. for example. Well, and we talked about Broodog, didn't we, yeah. um, earlier in the year, and how, you know, there was some negative press generated by some disgruntled employees, and they, they went to the to the press to do it rather than yeah. to... Sorry, my chair's making a funny noise. Yeah, well, we take it in turns with the creaky chair, and I think you've got... Yeah, oh, you're actually, yours is a bit... Yeah. yeah. Wow, that that's actually Heather's bones making that. Yeah, well, do you know what? <laughs> You're not far from the truth. But I'm I'm going to hone in on TripAdvisor because I've seen a lot of hospitality companies uh, comment on this on social media, in in how they um they struggle with TripAdvisor. Yeah. Okay. And and um you know so it is sort of commonly accepted that it's a good idea to respond to. A negative review, yes. but I'm not. I'm not sure you can ever win, can you? No. Do you get into tit for tat, and do you respond then to the positive reviews to say thank you as well? And I think there are some companies that do it brilliantly, and I've seen some horrors where people, where your companies have responded, and they think, "Wow, you've not done yourselves any favors there. You would have been better off just, just leaving being it, being quiet." Because I think sometimes if. It, I, the ones I use most often are Amazon. I've occasionally looked at TripAdvisor. But you can tell when somebody's just taking the piss, can't you? Often. Yeah. Yeah, if, they, if they'd come up with a, I'm giving this a one-star review because the postman delivered it the wrong way. It's like, oh, it's you've missed the points do. with that, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can sort of look past those, can't you? And sometimes you see with 
with TripAdvisor where they complain about the service when you read between the lines it's like you sounded like you're a bit of a dick actually yeah. so what I tend to do when looking at reviews is I, I hive off the five stars right who, where people are absolutely gushing and I think well that sounds like it's been written by your mum and then I hive off the one star reviews which sounds like you know they might just be having a bad day and then look at those in the middle, which will be more balanced. Because most people, when they leave a review, they're either motivated by saying something amazing because they've had a brilliant yeah. time, or motivated by saying something niggly because they've... So the ones who've taken the time to give a, it's, a three or four stars... Yeah, it's going to be more balanced, yeah. I think. You can get a better sense of, of yeah, what you're at. And I'm sometimes dubious, so it, um, and I'm using Amazon again, but that's just the one I use most, is if all it's got are glowing five stars, I'm dubious. Yeah. You know, where have they all where come, have they from? come from? Yeah. Yeah. And also, for me, so you might look, I was looking for, um, uh, I've got a flip chart, but it's blooming heavy, and I'm looking to buy a slightly lighter one that I can lug around when I need to, um, to go to clients. And I was looking at lighter ones, you know, and you might say, oh, five-star review, but only two people have reviewed it. Yeah. I'm looking for the, you know, 1,853 reviews when it's knocking out a four-star review and you go, okay, yeah, there's some consistency there. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you, there are some things that you can never get um, good reviews completely on, and that's printers. Printers. Oh, they're the devil's own work anyway, aren't they? Mm. Printers just know when you're in a hurry. Yes. They just know <laughs> when, when something has got a deadline there and they know, oh, sorry, can't see your Wi-Fi. Oh, sorry, the, the ink is slightly out of line. Oh, the, the carriage has stopped moving. Yes. Ah. The printer's offline. No, it isn't because I've just printed something. <laughs> that happens to me a lot when I'm here at nine o'clock at night printing out final things, you know. Oh, I'll just print out my slides for tomorrow. Uh -uh. <laughs> but you you can see that re that frustration reflected in printer reviews. Yes. It's uh, I think it's across every printer. I've yet to find one printer which is like, well, this has always been perfect and there's never been any problem with it. So what do you do if you if you have got a business? I, I think the main thing to consider is where are the the review websites that people are likely to review you on. So it's obvious with if you're selling on Amazon, they're going to review yeah. you on Amazon. But uh, if you're hospitality, there's a good chance it's going to be on TripAdvisor. But is there something, is a Foursquare, is a Trustpilot, is it Glassdoor, is it Yellow Pages even, is it Google Places? So find out where you think the focus of your customers is going to be and give it some attention i think particularly with something like google i know that much is you can claim the business so if people have been on there already and posted i've, I've been there they've posted some reviews and some pictures you can actually claim that as your business and then put your own photos on and respond to the reviews so it's worth looking to see if somebody might have already set one up for you they might already say yeah we've been coming here and there's a whole little community going on and you don't, yeah, uh, yeah, and and I think, I mean, the the list is twenty six, and and as we've already said, a lot of them are, are American sites, but it you know it can be quite difficult to find UK ones. There will be ones for law firms, for tradespeople, for you know, all, uh, you know, accountants, all sorts of things, and then if, as you say, the hospitality, you know, restaurants, etc. And um, I came across one, and I've I is fifo have you ever come across fifo no 
Well, FIFO um, apparently is an invite-only review site. So that's where people can't go in and just leave you bad reviews. You send... So a bit like I was saying, you know, Miss, you know, dear Mrs Noble, um, hope you enjoyed your stay at the, you know, the travel lodge in Would wherever. Would you like to put a review? Yes, it, yeah, it, your, it, your feedback's important to us, that sort of thing. So it's invite only. Um, so you're... So is the risk there that they wouldn't invite people who did have had a shit time? <laughs> well, I don't. Well, I don't know. I imagine it's automated and linked okay. in with sort of Mailchimp or something. Yeah. Uh, but but as a business, I suppose you need to decide whether you're going to invite feedback as formally as that. Yeah. Click on this link to leave your, leave your feedback, or you're going to leave little cards, you know, or with the with your bill in the restaurant you know if you've enjoyed your experience please pop along and you know let, let us know your thoughts or whatever that you've got to make a conscious decision about how you're going to use the different platforms and or whether you're going to use them yeah I don't, it's not going to happen on its own i don't think no no it's uh, people aren't just going to automatically think oh well do this yeah and you, and you want it to be so like you were saying you know somebody might have already on google started reviewing your business but you want to centralise things. You don't want a thing here and a thing there. I think you need to put some control hmm. so that you can maximise what people are saying. Yeah, because it's essentially word of mouth, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, word of mouth is well known as being one of the best ways to to uh, market your business because you, you trust in the person who's um, giving you that recommendation or rather trust in them more than something perhaps you've read just on your own website that's the thing is it you can put a review on your own website but there is that little bit of well you would say that wouldn't you on your website i don't think i've ever seen a negative review be posted on a website and they no. go look at this these are our reviews no exactly and and it, it is a bit like you know with testimonials and things you know so somebody might send something to me to say you know brilliant or whatever and you do then think oh and that's why you can see directing somebody towards the review website might come across as uh, um, uh, more independent. It's a, yeah, it's one yeah. step removed, isn't it? Rather than out of that one-page rant where you've told me that I'm absolutely useless <laughs> uh, and I've just extracted the... It's a bit like the, when you see reviews for a book or a play or something and they p pick out something totally yeah. out of context. Stellar performance, yeah. yeah. Terribly written. You, know, you don't put the... <laughs> Stellar performance of the supporting dog actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rest exactly. of the cast are awful, yeah. There was also some... Um, uh, I found... Um, Another article on distinctly.co. What are the best review platforms? And they, they were sort of talking about um, some of the ones that we've, that we've already touched on. But they were saying that we, one of the reasons that it's beneficial is because, of course, Google search engines are looking for new content, updated content. Yeah. And it can be really difficult as a business to be constantly updating things. But if you've got people going and leaving stuff about you and and it's all set up in the right way that is organic content which is really helpful when you're when people are searching for you i was reading as well somewhere that should i display reviews on my website and the advice is pretty much is to do a to, uh, to embed or use a widget 
that displays reviews from the third-party site just to give that yeah, separation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I also looked, so there were a few um, that Google were talking about. So um, there was a list of Google-associated review sites, bizarrevoice.com, bizrate.co.uk, fifo, reviews.co.uk, revu.com, trusted shops, trustpilot, Verified dash reviews. So I haven't heard of some or hadn't heard of some of those. Yeah. Um, it seems to be the same ones. Yeah, I spe- and I guess the idea is that uh, you could spend all day every day as a business owner looking through all of them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to choose yeah. a couple, one or two even, to focus on, I guess. Yeah. As part of your marketing strategy, it's you know, it's got to be a jo- part yeah. of the joined-up approach, hasn't it, I think? Now, there was a survey as by Zen Business I saw, um, and this is to do with um, negative reviews. So do you answer a negative review? And according to this survey, it would suggest that you should answer a negative review because according to this survey, 30% of customers will reverse a negative view, review um, if the company responds appropriately. Yeah, I think it, if... If you're a business owner, then you have to remove the personal emotion out of it, don't you? If somebody said, we, you know, we stayed in your guest house and it was shocking for whatever reason, the temptation to go, how dare you say that about, you know, because I've let you into my home to stay, blah, 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 blah. You need, it's that professional. It's almost like you need it another third party to go hang on let's sleep on that yes take a breath now let's respond professionally and you do see it quite a lot you know so again on facebook so a business will post something on facebook like you know we're doing so and so so and so and it starts off as being you know they might be doing something really good and then somebody says yeah but what about this and what about that and they just keep Mm. putting the same answer yeah, you know, if you go if you go and look at our T's and C's on our website, yeah. you'll see that. Or if you know if you revert back to the original post, you'll see that we're also doing songs, and they just put the same yeah, thing copy out paste, copy all paste, the time. Yeah. yeah, so it's that consistency, not getting drawn into it. Yeah. Um, interestingly, in that same survey, um, only twelve percent of consumers said that their reviews were replied to. So, so that's good or bad. So yeah. even a thanks for the positive. Yeah. yeah thanks for the compliment. Yeah. yeah. And you're creating a, a rapport there, aren't you? Mm. The Matt thing. Mm. I know them now. I can go back and get yeah. 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 I mean, as you say, you could spend an awful lot of time, depending on the nature of your business and how many, you know, if you run a coffee shop, you know, potentially you've got hundreds of people coming through the door buying takeaway coffee. It would be a full-time job just to, you know, to ask people to respond, <laughs> you know, give us a star how, rating. How amazing is your rating. coffee today? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, it's the same as it was yesterday. Okay, thanks very much, <laughs> you know. So I suppose it's a bit of balance, isn't it? But I, I think, I just think we can't underestimate that that it is a thing. Yeah, it definitely is. And as businesses, we perhaps, it's worth reviewing from yeah, time just to time ta- what you are doing. Just take it some time to, to think, have a, you know, I, I do a little bit of an internet search and see if your name pops up on any of the sites. That would be interesting. Yeah. A little bit scary, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heather unplugs the, yeah. uh, the Wi-Fi router straight away. I'm Let's not going to do, do this that. anymore, no. <laughs> 
Okay, let's move on to what we're reviewing. We haven't posted this on a review website. Um, it's a book that I bought. Uh, well, sorry, it's a whole subject mm. which was inspired by a book that I bought for my daughter. Yep. So uh, the book that I bought is it's quite a nice chunk. It's a good It's like chunk. a square book. Oh, it's square and it's chunky. chunky. Yeah. Um, and it's got some oh, nice... It's got drawings nice in drawings it. Nice drawings in it. Lots just... of white space, lots of images. It's called Getting Things Done for Teens. Take Control of Your Life in a Distracting World. It's by David Allen, who is apparently a New York Times best-selling author, Mike Williams and Mark Wallace. And um, I bought it for my daughter because it it, it seemed to um, be appealing to a lot of the things that I've spotted that are causing her some anxiety at the moment. Um, but I can't say it went down so well. And I said, oh, I've got your book here. I handed it over and uh, when I came to ask if I could borrow it um, to review it today. She went, oh, I flicked through it. Okay. <laughs> it said, said, tidy your room. And I looked around. Her bedroom was looking pretty tidy for her. So did you take any notice? No, I did that for my friends. Okay. But I like the book. So maybe I should get the getting things done for adults. For grown-ups. <laughs> Tidy your room. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's probably exactly the same. I don't know. I've not looked at it. Um, but it, it's got a nice feel to it. So I've, I've read the first few chapters and I've flicked through um, the bulk of it. It sits nicely in the palm of your hand. Paperback. As Heather said, it's it's quite a, a an interesting size being... Mm being quite square, so about six inches by six inches, is that? Yeah, yeah, maybe a bit more. Um, and, yeah, it, it's well explained. It, it's got the same structure in each chapter, and there's a little summary and questions at the end. Um, so there's a summary section, and then there's questions for thought or for discussion as well. And, uh, yeah, I like it. Um, and I'm sorry, I foisted it on you without actually letting you have a look at the book. So I'm going to hand the book over to you. No, that's the hard fine. Book. I went to the, um, you know, our favourite four-minute books. Oh, yeah. So um, they've done a review of it. So I was able to sort of get a sense of what it was about. And did you look at the teens one or the adult one? I looked at the adult one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, as 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 you already said, it's a whole system. Yes, there's the there are the books, but there's a website, there's a blog, there's a podcast, there's a newsletter. It's kind of a way of life, a way of thinking. But four minute books um, sort of summarised some of the things that you need to look at. And then because you know me, I like a graphic. I thought, oh, I'll go and see mm -hmm. if I can find a a, a, a visual. And so there, there there are five stages now. I don't know if. They follow the same five stages in the book for... Um, Let me just find the relevant oh, page. Oh, yeah. The, There's a little image of the oh, five right. steps there. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, so it's done in a nice... That one's in a circle. Yours is linear, I see. Yes. Are, are there the same stages? Uh, yeah, so it starts off with capture, then it's clarify, then it's organise, reflect and engage. And essentially, so this is about when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed mm. and and crikey, let's face it. Who isn't? Who isn't at yeah. the moment? And it's, and life just seems to be getting more and more complex, doesn't it? Quicker yeah. and quicker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, so it starts to talk about, essentially what it says is that 
all the stuff that's going around in your head. In fact, there's a lovely quote from the author where he says, your mind is for having ideas, not holding them. Very good. And you know that, uh, you know, those times when you're just like, there's so much in my head. If I could just get it out yeah. of my head. Download it. Download it. Then, so this is the capture bit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so basically, yeah, they they talk about having almost like having a bin where you you brain dump all of these yeah. things, and that's the capturing of in, the information. In the teens book, the the capture was talking about the different tools you can use to capture. Okay. So are you capturing it in an app on your phone? Are you capturing it in a notebook? Yeah. Is it an email to yourself? So all of those just different different ways for you to think about and to try yeah. to see what is the best way to capture. What what do you how do you capture your ideas? Well and do you know what? That that's a really that's a biggie because of course I come from a time when you just wrote it down. That was basically the only option that you had. Yeah. You couldn't text it to yourself. You couldn't put it in your phone. You couldn't email it. If you didn't write it down, it was going to be in your head. Yeah. Um so I do a, a mix of things. So I if I might email a link to myself if there's an article or something that I want to remember. Um, so perhaps when we're doing, I'm doing research for this. Um, I might text myself something. I might ask my husband to text something to me. So if I'm driving along and I think of something, I go, "Can you send me a text message that says X?" Okay. What do you do? You, oh, I, you I do a mix. No, I do a mixture as well. So yeah, I've come from the the background of multiple notebooks yeah so i used to keep I, I still have all of my old notebooks going back to my early 20s why and i don't know why i haven't just burnt them because really they're not much use so it's everything you know work notes and yeah. ideas uh, and the problem now is that i've got multiple projects going yeah so it's Different like things. have i got the right workbook with me at the right time I will do the email, but if I'm honest now, unless it's in the top two or three emails, the risk is that it just gets forgotten along with everything else as well. I have mentioned this app before, Microsoft To Do. Mm-hmm. I use that if I'm being super organised and I want to put deadlines on things. And that's really good because you can have different lists for different projects. But sometimes, and I, this is what the book did, um, remind me is sometimes what I need to do is take all those random bits from various places and take them to maybe the central repository, maybe Microsoft to do. And that and that's what they're saying. That's what reminded yeah, me. Basically, yeah, yeah ca- gather everything together and they sort of talk hypothetically about, you know, putting them all in a, a box or a yeah. bin or a jar and then think you know, sifting and then through, sifting them. through yeah. them. Yeah. So stage two, clarify. So you look at what's in your jar or in your book. Is it actionable? Um, so is it something that you need to do or is it a piece of information? And if it is, decide the next action and project. And if not, decide if it's trash, reference or something to put on hold. Okay. So, so well, you know, when we think about smart goals and objectives and things yeah. like that, right, is that something for now or is that something for one day when I'm when I'm coming round to decorate in the bedroom, I might be interested in. Or one day, when I'm okay, fair the website. So I think about, I use Pinterest for those sorts of things often. Okay. So like a pin board, and again, you can have different projecty type things, but that's sort of like a bit more of a creative holding space. So ideas of stuff to do with the garden, but I'm nowhere near doing it yet. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that can work for business, can't it? Because I suppose if you're thinking of reviewing your website or you, you, you see a piece of marketing literature that you quite like. So I often take photos of things, mm. see something and I go, oh, I quite like that idea. Take a photo of it. So w- once upon a time, you'd have taken the leaflet with you, put it in your bag and in this huge pile of paper that you've got on your yeah. desk. Yeah, but even things like if I see a slogan or I see... So it's not actually something that you could physically take away with you. I might just go, oh, I quite like that idea, and I'll take a photo of it. So, so... Then what do you do with the photo? Well, I'd like to say that I've got an album in my phone where I've got... And I do a bit So that's that. the next step for you, this yes, bit here. The, yeah, organising step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's choosing, you know, where are you going to put things? I mean, I'm terrible... I don't know, I've got a laptop, I've got an iPad, I've got a phone, I've got a brain, I've got pieces of paper. Um, where do I, book, do I bookmark a site? Do I add it to a reading list? You've got social media, you know, all of those yeah. different things. And I've never got to that central point. I will always do it like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, I, I really I think we've got a bit of that. work to do with the both of us, haven't we? Yes. Yeah. And this might be... This might be the thing. So the organising is put it where it's supposed to be mm-hmm. um, and then review regularly. Yeah. Now, this is one thing I have to do in the workplace. So um, specifically thinking about my office, I've got lots of other projects going on as well. You know, um, But when if I'm talking about stuff that I'm doing to do with um, my place of work and business, then it's Microsoft to do, but... I will also have notes in various places yeah. and, and occasionally I do the organiser, pull it together, I put it into Microsoft to do, but it's pointless just leaving it in there as like a big bucket. You do have to occasionally scroll through all yeah. the things you've got on those lists and see if they're still relevant, see if you need to update the timings on them, have you missed the deadlines on any of them, you know, do you need to reflect or, or maybe even change your priority of things. So that, that reflection is something... I, I think one of my actions from this is I want to have a set time to reflect, do it yes. at a certain time of the week. Yeah, I mean, that's really good discipline, isn't it? I mean, they talk about, you know, perhaps re- reviewing it on a Friday evening or whatever. But I, so, is so, that before or after the glass of wine? Well, probably before you go yeah. home, okay. I would say. I don't know. But, but So what I do, so here on my desk, right, I've got a written to-do list. And it's got various things on it. And then... In my Outlook, I've got tasks. So say there's an email. So I've got a particular client on here, right? There's something I need to do for that client. So I've got it written down so that I don't forget to go and look in my tasks. Yeah. So is that today or is that this week or is that, that until they're done? That That's t- until they're done, but they're sort of topical. Current. Ones, Current, yeah. yeah. And then as things come into my mind, then I'll add them to my to-do list. And I might send myself a text message reminded me to put on my written to-do list I need to research this or I need to yeah so I it's a hybrid thing but this system as we say you know he, he talks about it he gives tips that's all all good business gurus do they take a theme and they put it out across Max multiple it. platforms yeah. of book and talks and multiple types of books. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all there. The website's everything. Yeah. Um, all about getting things done by David Allen. Do you know what's weird is I went to school with a guy called David Allen and I that's the face I've applied to him, but I don't think it's the same guy. 
Right, is there not a photo of the man? Not in that book? No, well, well, if he's getting on a bit, he probably wouldn't <laughs> want to be in a teenager's book, would he? <laughs> Can I just add one last thing? Step five, yeah. and this should be the last step of any programme, is do it. That's a very good point. I'm very good at making lists. I've got it all happening. Yeah, but am I actually yeah. doing the things that It's I've a bit done? like when you look at um, revision plans from from years ago. <laughs> I, you, know, I, you could spend all your time doing a beautiful revision I'm plan. In and Get on with the revision. Yeah, yeah, there is a point at which you have to yeah. actually do yeah. it. Yeah. Or talking about how much you've got to do. It's like, right, well, you've just spent 20 minutes telling me how much you've got to do. <laughs> What could you have done in 20 minutes? <laughs> um, so there I'm, you go. So I'm, I'm just having a quick look at the end of this book uh, to see what else they've got. Um, and it's got some nice ideas for lists and checklists. Um, so let's have a look. Um, list of birthdays, anniversaries and other dates. The job it does, what to do, how to experiment and notice things about this list. So it takes you through... Um, List of things to do next term, I am in XXX. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you an example. The job it does, it helps you remember things you'd like to do the next time you're in certain locations. What to do when you visit a location, capture things you'd love to do the next time you're there. Experiment, think back to a location you recently visited where you had a lot of fun. And next time you're there, is there anything you'd like to do or see? If yes, add this to the list. And notice... What did you capture? How quickly can you add things to the list? Where are you storing this list? And how quickly can you pull up the list when you need it for review, reflection and inspiration? And there's several pages of different types of lists. So um, sports checklist, chore checklist. I won't give this to my kids. <laughs> Before school checklist, after school checklist, class checklist. Yeah, all sorts. And then there's a, there's a whole load of lists. Um, lists and, and activities here for capturing worries, um, doing the mind sweep, try walking mind sweep, try capturing into a big book. It's lots of exercises, mm -hmm. a big chunk of that mm -hmm. book there, maybe what's that about a fifth of the book Yeah, yeah. with exercises and there's some charts in the back as well which you could copy. Um, I noticed in the adult version there's a whole workbook you can buy but presumably with a lot of these charts that you can get. Yeah, I, yes, I, I didn't really study that. Uh, uh, picking up on something that you've just said, though, in the four-minute books review, they say that, um, and, and again, I find this, the temptation, if you find yourself in the car waiting to go into an appointment, in the doctor's waiting to go into an appointment, kick it, you know, you pick up your phone. Yeah. Now... There are occasions where he says, you know, there might be jobs that you could do when you've got a laptop with Wi-Fi with you. There could be things that you could do when you've got a laptop without Wi-Fi. Just because you're not connected to the Wi-Fi doesn't mean you can't write anything or, yeah. you know, or read anything. Um, and then there might be, you know, stuff that you could do on your phone, stuff that you might do in a written notepad. So actually thinking about, right, instead of, right, I'm sat in my car, I'm... My battery's dead on my phone. I can't do anything. <laughs> it's like, well, hang on a minute. Get your get your doodling notebook out and have a think about something or review your list or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. So I think I'm certainly guilty of that. My default setting is... Phone. I pick up my phone. Read through social media. Yeah. Read the news, whatever. Rather than, you know, my husband's always got 
well, he picks up his phone, but he's reading a book on his Kindle app. Yeah, any time Stuart isn't doing something, he's reading. It's just... Maybe you need to give him a chores checklist. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try that one. <laughs> I'll photocopy that page out of that book okay. and just leave it lying around the house. <laughs> right, and our profile this week is The Man Who Made His Fortune From Potatoes. Um, that's the title of an article in The Gentleman's Journal which I read. Um, it's quite yes. interesting. William Chase is the gentleman we're talking about. Can I just say what, what... So when we decide what we're going to talk about, so when we finish recording this, we think about what we're going to talk about next yeah. week. And we share, we put a note, we, we store that information in a podcast WhatsApp group, don't we? We do. And I wrote, William Chase, crisps, vodka, gin. <laughs> and what more do I need? <laughs> Mail company, crisps, Alcohol. Yeah, perfect. Right, so let's talk. <laughs> Crisps, vodka, gin. Yeah. Um, I can't believe that there's anybody listening that won't have tried some of um, Chase's products. So um, the story goes that he was a young potato farmer. He bought his farm off his dad for a loan mm-hmm. um, and fell victim to debt and a failed harvest. Um, due to torrential rains and was declared bankrupt in his early 30s. And this was in the early 90s. Yeah. He's about my, your age, our age. Yeah, a few, a few, yeah, maybe a few years, three or four years older than me. I don't really okay. want to go into the details. No, anyway, numbers. yeah. But with, with yes. yeah. Of an age. Of an age, yeah. Um, and so he was forced to start again and became a potato trader selling to supermarkets. As we know, and we've discussed it quite a while ago, but we did discuss selling into supermarkets. And it's a tough old business, um, rejecting batches of potatoes. I'm sure they wouldn't now, actually. They're probably quite keen yeah, for potatoes yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so he decided to actually use the potatoes on his farm to turn them into crisps, Tyrrell's crisps, mm, to be precise, which crisps. are blooming lovely. Mm. Yeah. And that was in 2002. Uh, so good was this crisp brand, he sold it on for a tidy profit. Significant, the article says, just six years later. Yeah, he's, um, well, £30 million he sold it for. OK, significant. Yeah, the turnover yeah. reached £14 million by 2008. So he started off putting it into Fortnum and Mason, Selfridges and Harrods, right? So they were posh crisps. And now... You know, it, it well now they're available all over the place, aren't they? Mm. But yeah, yeah I could just eat. why didn't we buy crisps, gin and vodka? Too? Uh, just to, we could have just sat here. And <laughs> we said, well, we wouldn't have been able to good. get home though, would we? Yeah, no, that's true. Ten of ten. That's true. And the crisps eating on the podcast—it's probably not a good idea either. Well, I think we've done worse. Okay, yeah, we probably have the squeaky chair, <laughs> for example. So um, he used the money then from the sale of Tyrrells to set up a Chase Distillery. Hurrah! So in 2008, um, apparently he discovered potato vodka whilst travelling in the US. I wonder what that discovery was like. I'm thinking hangover. Yeah, uh, but I thought... I thought all vodka was made from potatoes. I don't know. I thought you make it from all sorts of things, can you? I don't know. I've always always associated vodka... Vodka is Russian, isn't it? Vodka. I thought. I feel like I need to Google it now. What is vodka made from? 
it's important to say that all these potatoes are being grown in Herefordshire, which is the county of my birth, where the lovely red soil makes potato growing um, a good thing to be doing. Hmm. It can be distilled from any starch. Really? So it can be potato, corn, rye, wheat, um, molasses, soybeans, grapes, rice. Oh, okay. It can get alcohol from virtually Pretty anything. Pretty much everything, yeah. right. Okay, well, there's a learn for me. But, yeah, yeah, potato vodka, as you say. And Was so. discovered. And um, then um, making gins as well. Um, so I, I've had some um, rather delightful drinks from Chase Distillery, I have to say. Now, I read somewhere um, that Diageo bought the Chase Distillery Um bought the gin and vodka distillery um, last year, October 2020. But if you look at William Chase's LinkedIn profile, he's still down as um, working for them, So unless he hasn't updated his profile. Or maybe there's some sort of transition. Yeah, maybe maybe there is, because it's uh, just coming up to 12 months for an undisclosed amount. Wow. Well, he's already got 30 million in the bank somewhere. (laughs) They, uh, the range, so you, like you started off with vodka and then gin, um, and then uh, so so the gin is made from the vodka and then botanicals, and they so they expanded this range. So once upon a time, Chase vodka was the thing, wasn't it? Mm. And then, can I tell you what my favourite Chase gin is? Go on, pomelo and pink grapefruit. It's so dry. It's amazing. Yeah, that. Oh. that Almost dries my mouth. You, you like banana daiquiris. You're at that end, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> yeah, not sugary sweet, but yeah, that would be a bit... I mean, slow and mulberry sounds quite nice. Um, not Seville orange necessarily. Not marmalade necessarily. Citrus would be all right. But yeah, no, the pomelo and pink grapefruit, love that's it. quite... Love it. Absolutely love it. Mm. Mm. Well, now with a big bag of crisps. <laughs> What have we done, Heather? What have we done? How could we even possibly be talking about these things without having them to hand? It's not very good. Um, In this gentleman's journal, I was interested to read that um, his working day begins at 4am. And uh, he's he's grown up um, in the farming business. And so getting up early, um, getting what you need done in the first two hours of the day. And then he goes for a swim for an hour. Yes. That sounds Presumably, good. That sounds like he might have his own pool. <laughs> Unless he's got a pond. <laughs> um, I think if you'd, if you'd made that much money from selling Tyrrells, I'd buy a pool. Yeah. yeah. Especially if I was going to swim for an hour at 6am yeah. every day. Yeah, I'd, I'd want it in my back garden, wouldn't you? Well, he's got four sons working in the business, and so he sort of... He, he he says that you know he a lot of the stuff he just does the stuff that he wants to do really but he does get up early and work long hours. Now he reckons that he believes in the culture of an eighteen-hour working day. That's quite something, isn't it? It's quite a thing, that isn't it? I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm awake for eighteen hours a day. Yeah, no. I, don't, well, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Uh, he says that most of the young guys that work for him thinks he's think he's something of a sadist. That, I mean, that is, yeah, that is a long time. He, I mean, he's obviously um, shrewd, isn't he? And and I saw an interview with him where he, he basically was saying that, you know, becoming bankrupt 
you know, at such a young age, it, he, he says, you know, I can remember a time, you said £5 is a lot of money when you haven't got £5. I think it's that's really true, isn't it? Yeah. Made him quite humble. Yeah. In The other thing I read, a, a different article to that, but he said that he, he would prefers to employ people from you know, smaller companies because the people who work in the big companies who don't really have to worry where the five pounds comes from, mm. they're not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so um, it, it's it, you know this idea that if you if it's easy to come by money, well, you're you not don't really value, it. value it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that I've worked for a lot of SMEs, a lot of micro businesses, where sometimes a fiver is a fortune. And you're trying to decide whether to spend yeah. five pounds or not spend five pounds. And I've worked for big multinationals where you don't even have to think about the money. Yeah, ultimately, when you're balancing your your accounts at the end of the year and you're looking at you know doing your budgets and stuff, but it's not down to not the last that five, level, is it? No. no, I worked for a, a financial institution once where the rounding error was a million pounds, yeah. and you just you won't bother looking for the million because yeah. it's just it's lost in rounding. Yes, it's a whole other yeah. world, isn't it? For and he's businesses. talking about you know he wants people who've got the experience at the other end of the scale, and I really get that. Mm. Yeah, he's, he, he also said, um, so one of the things, people often say never give up, but I don't necessarily agree with that. If something isn't working for you, try something else. You don't want to live your life dreading Monday morning, so it's important to find something you love doing. He said he never had a mentor, but he likes mentoring people now. Oh. Um, and he says, my business advice can be summarised by the mantra that if something looks too good to be true, then it probably is. And we've heard that one yeah. um, quite a lot. But I think we've just said that about reviews, haven't we? Yeah. If you've yeah. got you know, 100 five star reviews. Well, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but I think that whole, you know, the never give up thing. Well, you know, he had to give up. He declare he had to declare himself bankrupt. You know, what where Pick do you go from that? That start is start all over again. Yes. There's a song about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, he's an he, he, interesting character. He loves Herefordshire. Uh which You've got in common. Which I've got in common, yes. Yeah. So he's 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 right there. Then he also was talking about some um cider vinegar so a byproduct now, some cider vinegar product. And Willie's ACV organic probiotic live foods. Yeah. So, and this is around health, isn't it? Yeah. So this launched in 2014, according to um, one source I saw. So yeah, it's about health drinks. Mm. I don't know much about them, and I haven't seen them around. Maybe I've only been noticing the gin, vodka, and crisps. I've noticed Willie's ACV at all. No, I haven't. But. But I do know that there is this school of thought about drinking cider vinegar being good mm. for you, isn't it? So whether it's, I don't know, whether it's something that's got that in it. But he clearly can't just go, right, sold that, move on. Yeah, sold that. Get the sun to do that. that. Yeah, no. yeah. He's, he, he's that classic entrepreneur. What's he going to do with his 18 hours if he's not working? <laughs> he's going to find something to do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, there's also something called Maison Williams Chase Wines. So Cellador en Provence, I believe it, it's called. Um, and that was um, the Chase um, brand 
formed in 2016, so wines from the French uh, region of Provence. Again, I've not noticed those, but that's one I will investigate. Yes. No, maybe not the health drink, maybe, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe the French wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a bad rep here. Heather. But who would think that all of that would come from spuds? Yeah. From being a spud, you know, you bought at the age of 20, borrowed £200,000, bought a, a potato farm. So if somebody says to you, oh, I love potatoes, what's your favourite form of potatoes, Heather? Is it mash? Is it roast? Is it chips? Heather goes, vodka and crisps. <laughs> yes, I like that. Yeah, they go, yeah, they go together. They do, beautifully. Uh, yeah. Actually, I don't drink a lot of vodka, but, um, but yeah, I do eat a lot of crisps. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I do hope we, we've given justice to the story there of William Chase. Um, I, I know we've perhaps focused a little too heavily on, on the, the alcohol, but there we go. That's that's just who we are. Yeah, he looks like quite a nice guy. I haven't seen a photo. Yeah, actually. I saw a picture of him in the Gentleman's Journal dot uh, com. Yeah, there's a photo of him sitting on a very nice sofa, and he just looks like a normal guy. He just. I don't know what a normal guy is. He doesn't look like Mr. Potato Head then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what your expectations were, Heather. He looks like a normal guy. <laughs> on that note, that's all we've got time for this week on Big Business Briefs. Thank you very much for joining us. We're off to get some vodka and some crisps. <laughs> oh, Mr. Potato Head, that's brilliant.